Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Hello, thank you very much for tuning in to episode 66 of To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. I am Jim Morrow. I'm here in my office studio and my producer, John Ray, is looking all spiffy in his sweater vest there in his, I guess that's home studio today. It Got is. The background blurred out, so I can't be real sure. John, how are you? I'm terrific. How are you? I'm good. good. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Happy Festivus. Whatever we're festival, festivaling, that's right? right. <laughs> exactly right. For, the, for the rest of us. Absolutely. <laughs> We've been busy here at uh, Village Medical in Milton and Cumming, Georgia, formerly Mara Family Medicine, but now we're full on getting into the big name change. It changed the sign and Milton practice, and they're going to change the one on the building here, I think, pretty soon. And we're just real excited about being part of Village Medical. If you don't know anything about them, you ought to look at their website. Uh, it's a it's a fantastic national conglomeration of family practices and uh, what they can help us do for our patients has really been amazing. So we're excited to be part of that. And part of the things that we're able to continue to do, luckily, is this podcast. So being this time of year, when you've gone through the uh, time change where we have to fall back an hour, what is some people's favorite night of the year, and uh, and for some people it doesn't seem to matter, and for some people it makes a big difference, and now, unfortunately, when a lot of us and most of us probably go to work in the morning, it's dark. When we come home in the evening, it's dark. And I personally am one of those that doesn't do quite as well during that time of year. I like a little more sunshine. And I think like a lot of people, I like to have a little light when I get home so I can do something besides trip over something in the yard. So uh, we're going to talk again today about seasonal affective disorder. And seasonal affective disorder is a very, very common entity, a common condition that is in fact seasonal. And it's a very, a fairly short period of the year when it bothers people, but it can be a big deal. And unfortunately, one of the worst things about seasonal affective disorder to me is that it comes on during the holidays. And so at a time when people you would hope would be enjoying family and enjoying the holidays and celebrating this and that and whatever they may celebrate with their family, they don't feel like doing it because they're not at their best. So the symptoms usually start late fall, early winter, right about now. And people feel better, like I mentioned, when there's more sunshine in the spring and summer. And the reason that people get this is because of the differences in daylight and the effect that that has on the brain. It has a very direct effect on the brain. And some people with seasonal affective disorder do the opposite. They'll have it during the summer and not the winter. And it's not very common, but it does happen that way. But the vast majority of people that have this will be suffering through it between now and probably the first to middle of March. It's very common. Um, it's four to six percent of people in the United States, and that's not a big number percentage-wise, but it's a big number of people. And another 10 to 20 percent experience in a, a milder form, which is still seasonal affective disorder. It's more common in men than in women, I'm sorry, than it is in men. Uh, I think that's what we see in our practice is that more women have it. I don't know if that's because more women have it or because more women are 
feel free to admit to it. But nonetheless, most of the people we treat are, in fact, women. You can see it in children and teenagers, uh, but it usually doesn't start till adulthood, uh, probably because that's when the majority of stress in life really starts. And so that's something you do see more after about the age of 20, 21, something like that. It's more common, as you might think when you think about it, in the Norman, northern regions of the United States, uh, because the winters are typically longer, the weather's harsher, people are indoors even more, uh, and there's less sunlight because they're farther away from the equator. And uh, I'll say to my best friend, Matt Fultz, Matt, I'll explain to you what the equator is later. Don't worry about it. So the symptoms of seasonal affective disorder, uh, not everybody who has SAD, as it's called, has the same symptoms, but some of the symptoms that you might see are changes in appetite, either craving sweets or starchy foods, or especially that really. Um, so I must have it year round. That sounds like me 12 months a year. They might have weight gain, and that can be from an activity because of the time difference. And it can also be an activity due to lack of interest in things. That's a problem too. And then fatigue, of course, and sleeping more than normal, difficulty concentrating, being irritable is a cardinal sign of seasonal affective disorder when it only occurs during this time of year. You can have uh, increased sensitivity to changes in their lives. You can have loss of interest in activities that typically they would enjoy, hobbies and so forth and so on. And then you have people who will feel guilt or hopelessness. And even some people have physical problems like stomach trouble, irritable bowel syndrome, headaches, that kind of thing. Those are all more common during seasonal affective disorder. And if you think about those symptoms, these are all symptoms that are are what we see in people who are also depressed, people who are depressed. The symptoms tend to come back year after year. This isn't something you grow out of, or it's not something that, you know, after a couple of years won't bother you. If you get SAD, you're probably going to get SAD. And that's because of what causes seasonal affective disorder. In, in the majority of cases, it's related to the loss of sunlight, like I mentioned. And the researchers have found that Reduced sunlight affects the body in a few different ways. One is what's called the circadian rhythm, your biological clock, if you will. The decrease in sunlight disrupts your body's natural rhythms. It leads to feelings of depression. It leads to decreased serotonin levels, which is one of the main causes of depression. And so serotonin is a chemical in your brain that affects your mood. If it's in the right level, your mood's at the right place. And if it's low, your mood is typically low. And reduced sunlight causes serotonin levels to drop. So that's one of the reasons this happens. Now, a lot of this is related to the pineal gland, which is right in the center of your brain. And it responds to light and has a lot to do with producing these chemicals and things. But the bottom line is when it's not light as long, your level can drop. Now, it doesn't happen in everybody, but it happens a lot, like I said. <clears throat> Melatonin levels fall. Now, melatonin is a brain chemical that helps you sleep. It's there for a variety of reasons, but that's probably the biggest one. And when you don't get as much sunlight, your melatonin can fall. And vitamin D, Lord, we've heard so much about vitamin D since pandemic started. I've never heard so much about vitamin D in my life till the pandemic started. But vitamin D is related not just to immunity that you hear about with the pandemic, but it's also 
related to play a role in how in serotonin levels and maintaining proper serotonin levels. So most of the vitamin D we get is from the sun. And I tell patients all the time, we've created an entire population of vitamin D deficient people by saying, now don't get too much sun. It's not good for your skin. You're going to get moles and melanoma and skin cancers and things. So we've got all this, all these people that are doing what we tell them, which is great. Now their vitamin D levels are low. So the vast majority of us would benefit from taking vitamin D. If you're going to do that, get your level checked before you start because you don't want too high a level of vitamin D. And some people have a higher risk of developing seasonal affective disorder. And some of those people are females, mention that, living far from the equator, mention that, being up north and so forth. Having a family history, though, of seasonal affective disorder means that you're more likely to have that kind of trouble. And people who've had trouble with depression or bipolar disorder, they have a problem maintaining this serotonin level and other levels in their brain already. So if they already have a problem maintaining those levels, the time of year when those levels are historically lower is going to be a bigger problem for them anyway. And that's pretty obvious, I think. So you feel like you have this kind of thing and feel like you're suffering from this problem. What do you do? Well, you go to your doctor, typically your family doctor. Feel free to come to Village Medical and coming in Milton, Georgia. We'd love to have you. And you can get diagnosed. Now, the serotonin level we're talking about, you can't draw, you can't draw blood and measure that. Now, you, to, to be totally honest, you can go to some doctors and they will say, well, I'm going to draw blood and check your serotonin level. And you can draw a circulating serotonin level in your blood. And it has zero correlation. Hold my fingers up in an okay kind of thing, going zero. There's zero correlation between blood levels and brain levels of serotonin. So don't fall into that trap. You can't check blood levels of serotonin and know what's going on with your brain levels of serotonin. It just doesn't happen. You have to do brain biopsies to do that. And we don't do those, at least not in the office. So it's diagnosed by history talking to the patient about when they feel bad, how they feel, what time of year it is, what makes it better, what makes it worse. Same things we talk about them with almost everything we see. Perform a physical exam, and you want to get some blood work to be sure you don't have other things. Okay, you might have out-of-control diabetes you don't know about. You might be anemic. You might have a problem with your potassium level. You might have thyroid problems. A lot of things can be going on that can mimic this and you want to check those things and if they're not that then it's probably seasonal affective disorder and that's the way you do this and don't let anybody tell you they can do this by hooking things up to your head or by drawing blood work like i said and charging you an arm and a leg because they're just taking your money they're not practicing medicine so don't do that now you can't totally avoid seasonal affective disorder or you can't avoid the likelihood of it. If you're very proactive, you might be able to keep it from getting to a symptomatic stage, but you have to be very proactive to do that. And some people have, but it's not really easy. But there's really not much you can avoid to, to do, can do to avoid getting it or being exposed or predisposed to it, but you can manage it. You can do that. So if you want to start treatment before your symptoms start, if you find year after year that you feel this way between Thanksgiving, let's say, in mid-March, go see your doctor in, at Halloween and, and do something about it before the problem arrives and continue to do that until the problem is gone and then do it next year and the next year and the next year. And if you do that, 
then you might never have trouble with seasonal affective disorder as far as symptoms go. So there are three main ways that we treat seasonal affective disorder. And one is, interestingly, light therapy. If you go on Amazon.com, you can order lights that are used and manufactured for the purpose of treating seasonal affective disorder. And again, the whole idea is it's not light long enough during the day. And so you need more light going into your eyes and into your brain. So they make these little lights. They're uh, smaller than a a textbook, typically, uh, as far as height and, and width. And they're not terribly big or heavy. And you just plug them in. A lot of them are rechargeable. And when you're getting ready for work or school in the morning, you turn this thing on. You've got it on your desk or table and it's shining at you and you get that light therapy. And it's been used going back into the 1980s, which I started practicing in the 1980s and I had a conversation with a patient today. They mentioned 1980. And I said, you do know that's 40 years ago. <laughs> so it doesn't sound like that long ago to me, but it was a long time ago. 1980 that was a good while ago. Um, if you, you sit in front of this special light box and it puts out a particular bright white that mimics natural sunlight. And it does seem that it makes a change in these brain chemicals that help to regulate your mood. So the longer you sit there, the better it works. You need to usually spend between 20 and 60 minutes a day in front of the light. It really doesn't work if you just sit there for 10 minutes. You've got to give it some time, let it do its thing, and it can really make a difference for you. And there are other types of light therapy. Instead of sitting in front of a box, you can wear a visor that emits a light. And another kind of treatment is called a dawn stimulator or dawn simulator, excuse me. And this light turns on early in the morning in your bedroom. It mimics the natural sunrise and gradually increases in brightness and so forth. And this allows you to wake up naturally without using an alarm. Now, I, th- I think that takes a particular type of person, and I think the person given this podcast is not that type of person. I'm pretty sure the light's not going to wake me up, but I think that does work for some people, and so that's an option. And if the light therapy helps, then you continue to use it until the sunlight returns, like I said. And so it can be it can be very effective. It's not expensive at all, so that's good. And if you use it properly, it has next to no side effects. The light itself is not anything that would give you any sort of irritation to your skin or anything like that. So you don't worry about that. Now, the second one is behavioral therapy, talk therapy. So you might find a therapist or psychologist in your area that you can go and sit and talk to about how you feel and why you feel that way and when you feel that way. And a lot of times doing that and just becoming completely aware of the problem and conversant about the problem can help you not have so much trouble with seasonal affective disorder, just like it can help with so many other things, because it's very good. And the last treatment is medications. I mentioned serotonin, and we have a, a handful, literally five different medications that we use primarily to raise serotonin levels. Now, I'm old school, so there are five that have been out a long time, and there are a couple of new ones that are that are out, and there turns out they're very good. But these medicines raise this level of serotonin in your brain, and they are very effective. They're extremely safe. They are safer than Tylenol, uh, in my opinion. You can, you can take them without any concern about kidney function, liver function, no addiction possibilities, and so forth. And they can have a huge impact on how you feel and how the 
the winter time affects you. Because if you think about it, it's not just affecting you. The odds are it's affecting everybody around you as well. And I think that's typically what people see is that the effect that it has is on family. It's on the person themselves. Uh, it's on their co-workers and their employees and so forth. So it, it's, a, it's a good idea to treat this if, you, if you're not. And I'll encourage anyone who deals with seasonal affective disorder to go ahead and 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 treat it in some way because I think they're going to find that that their life is better during this time of year and that they will just feel better. And the, the thing is, too, you have to live with a condition like seasonal affective disorder. It's like high blood pressure or diabetes. It's not some illness you're going to do something and cure. This is just the way it is. It's who you are. And so you have to learn to live with that. You have to find a treatment plan and follow it. And following it is the important part there. After you find it, you have to follow it. This includes going to your appointments, taking your medications, following up if things aren't working. You know, I, I tell patients all the time, if, if I give you a medication to take care of X, Y, or Z and it's not working, I have no way of knowing it's not working if you don't tell me. Now, I could set an appointment for you to come back in three weeks. Every time I see you, number one, you're not going to come. Number two, it's expensive. Number three is unnecessary. As long as if something's not going the way you think it should be, you'll let me know. And if you let us know, me or any of the people here, know that something's not working, we're going to do everything we can to make it work. Second thing is take care of your body. Eat healthy foods. Get plenty of sleep. A well-rested person is much easier to treat than a person who doesn't get enough rest much easier to cure or control conditions in people when they are well-rested. So that's an important thing. Exercise. Get some more exercise. Now we're talking about a time of year when the daylight is not as, as long as it is other times of year. So maybe that's not too easy, but if you can find a way to get more exercise, it helps tremendously. It has the same effect on depression and seasonal affective disorder as antidepressants do and as medications do. So it's a very good thing. And if you can figure out a way to get more exercise, it's going to help this problem. Don't turn to alcohol or drugs to try to make you feel better. Both these things can make depression worse. They have negative reactions with antidepressant medications, which is what we use for this. They cause depression de novo, even if you don't have it to begin with, it can cause depression. And it doesn't take a rocket science just to understand that if you do start doing that, then you end up with a problem with alcohol and drugs. And if, if you think seasonal affective disorder is stressful, wait till you have a problem with alcohol or drugs. Because I'm telling you, that's a whole lot worse. And manage your stress. You can't avoid it, so you have to manage it. Talk to a counselor about ways to manage stress. Now, this is a different conversation from talk to a counselor about how to treat seasonal affective disorder. I don't know anybody that wouldn't benefit from talking to a counselor about how to manage their stress better. And I did a podcast on stress and we talked about that at length. And if you're interested, I encourage you to go back and listen to that one. I can't quote the episode number right now, but uh, it is there and it's in our, in our library. And I hope that you subscribe so that you're seeing all those. And I would encourage you to listen to that and don't isolate yourself. You know, it's very easy when, like I said, it's dark in the morning when you go to work, it's dark when you go home to just go home and sit there and then go to bed and wait till morning and do it all over again. 
but don't do that. Try to be as social as you can. And I realize we've got this pandemic to deal with. People are not socializing like they did, but they're doing more. So try to get out and socialize some, because I do think it helps. Not being alone makes a difference. Being alone makes you feel worse. Not being alone makes you feel better, especially if you're not being alone with someone that you like. So go out and find somebody you like and go do something with them. I mentioned starting the treatment early, and I think that's very important. If you start the treatment early, you can avoid ever having the symptoms. You know, you start two or three weeks before your symptoms might usually start. And then you take it till the time your symptoms typically end. And you may never feel the symptoms. And it doesn't affect you. And everybody around you appreciates the fact that, that you're happier and easier to get along with and more productive and so forth. And so that's what can happen if you do avoid it completely. And, and another thing that I, I think is an interesting way to try to help with seasonal affective disorder is take a trip. There's no better time than right now to plan a trip to a warmer climate somewhere in the Caribbean. Go down there and stand in the surf or get on a sailboat or sit on the beach and read or whatever. But if you go somewhere like that, you're going to find that you don't have so much trouble and that can help you. And a lot of times if you'll do something like that early in the season, it can help you build up some more serotonin and maybe you never even have trouble during the rest of the other time when you might otherwise have trouble with seasonal affective disorder. We did a show on seasonal affective disorder previously, and I told you I'm glad we're doing another one because people might have missed the first one. Um, and I'm, this was good. I'm, I'm really glad you did it again. Yeah, I think it's an important thing. I really do. Uh, I think it's important for people to um, to understand that that they're not alone, that there's something they can do about this, and they can get some really good help from their family doctor. Yeah, and you know, one thing too is that mental health has, I think, really gotten a lot of attention lately, and um, we just need to keep the spotlight on it. So I'm glad you did it again. I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, during the pandemic, people being shut up and 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 shut in. I don't know that they've been shut up. <laughs> certainly have been shut in. Don't make fun of me. I'll start talking about what you did. Okay. Um, and so, you know, they have certainly had more emotional trouble, psychological trouble, and this is just one of them. So if we can limit one of those things and we can limit this one, I think it's a great idea to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you, one of the things that we have talked about b- between you and me that we need to share with our audience is we're, we were in terms of other episodes, we, we were talking about doing a, another episode with listener questions. So right, folks, yeah. if you have a question you'd like to ask Dr. Morrow, you'd like him to address on the show, if it's a big topic, it might be a whole show, but, uh, if it's something that, uh, he can answer in a special show that we want to do on, you know, just answering your question from our listeners, uh, we'd love to feel that. So send it in to us. That's great. And I will put that on all the multitude of different, different platforms that we're on. So people can see that and maybe we'll be able to collect 20 different questions. It's probably what it'd take. And I think that's a great idea. I love that idea. Yeah. I love doing Q and a, when I'm asked to go 
talk to a group here and there. I, I love to just do Q and a, because that way I know they're getting their questions answered. They're getting their concerns taken care of. So yeah, I'd love to do that. That's a great idea. Yeah. We've had folks and some folks, they're not shy. They'll put it in the, put it on Facebook on our Facebook page or, uh, uh, send it through LinkedIn or whatever on the, as you say, the various social media channels we've got. And you've also got a special email address. So you might want to give that out. I do. You can send email to, to your health MD at gmail.com and come straight to me to your health MD at gmail.com. Terrific. So I'd love to do that. Hopefully people will send in some, some questions. And, uh, I want to say we are, my wife and I are heading off to New York city Friday. We're taking our daughter to New York. She's never been in no time like Christmas. And she's 34 ish. Don't, don't hit me. Cause I can't remember exactly. Uh, but she's getting married tomorrow. Oh, wow. And I'm very excited about that. She and her fiance have been together quite some time and, uh, they're getting married tomorrow. So we're going to make this their honeymoon. So we're excited about that too. That's awesome. So That's awesome. Think about us up there in the, the big city and, uh, we're going to see a play and see the Rockettes and eat a bunch of food and don't think bad about me, but I'm going to eat steak and all kind of other good stuff. So that's the way it is. So we'll talk to you next time. And for now that is to your health.